2: for downloading and listening to another episode of the Rickett and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Clive, and I am joined by my partner in crime, the Edge to my Christian, Jeff to my Matt, uh, Sean Michaels to my Marty Gianetti, although I don't want to be considered a, a murderer, Ricky, hello, sir. Before I say anything else, stupid.
1: Good evening. How are we? I'm
2: a wee bit uh, brain dead today. I've started a new job this week, and I've had a lot of Skype calls or MS Teams calls talking about a lot of buzzwords. Talking to a lot of Welsh people. Shout out to Paul Tolly. Uh, yep. So I'm struggling to think properly, but. I'm sure with some coaxing, some prompting and some salt and vinegar flavoured snack attraction, I'll be able to muster up some conversation for you tonight, good man.
1: Well, certainly hope so, it's part two of our AEW this time, ups and downs and you're going to give us your AEW versus WWE pay-per-view. I will, I will have something to ask you when
2: we get to that, Uh, it's a a technicality thing because We'll discuss it later. Yep. So, as you said there, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, we looked at the the top three or bottom three sort of hits and misses from WWE in 2020, which was quite a year for wrestling as well as out in the real world. And this week, we were trying to fit in AEWs last week, but we would have ended up with quite a long podcast and... This was late in the evening for Ricky and myself, so we thought we will just squeeze out some more content, make next week a bit easy for us, because we've already got it planned. And we are going to look at AEW's 2020, give you our top three hits and misses, pros and cons, pluses and negatives, have a wee chat about them, and then move on to some fun towards the end of the show with some fantasy pay-per-views and a quiz. I wonder if Ricky will try and get his own back on me for his apparent, apparently bad performance last week even though he got 11 points out of 16 but we shall we'll see what happens there it
1: was a bad performance in the,
2: in the grand scheme of things it wasn't though eh. it's the equivalent of having lots of bogeys on a round of golf and then towards the tail end you have about 5 or 6 eagles in a row is that
1: a bad round? I mean I, there's a lot of help with those egos and birdies.
2: Aye as in like people picking up the ball and putting it into the hole for you. <laughs> no comment?
1: No, that's what I say pretty much.
2: Okay. Right. Well we go with some happiness. In fact, before we go into some happiness, uh Twitter wanker of the week. I was gonna say Celtic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> They're just wankers of the week. Aye, Glasgow Celtic Football Club, get yourself together, honest to God. Fata shambles, but that's another conversation. That's for the, um, the Ricky and Clive Ritz football show, which will be on the Overhead Kick Podcast Network, coming to you next week.
3: <laughs> Twitter
2: wanker of the week. Apparently, this is f- quite fresh content as well, Ricky. If I liked and likes a bliss. That qualifies me as a paedophile. Did you know this?
1: Of course, of, co- of course, of course, that's, of course, that's true. Like, why wouldn't that be true? That's completely like, um, a sensible thing to say, and it come from a very sensible person, hasn't it? And also,
2: apparently, uh, because Impact was trending more on Twitter. Compared to the news of WrestleMania's, the WrestleMania report, Kenny Omega is officially a bigger draw than WWE. And there is no two ways about it. It is not up for debate. It is an objective fact. Were you aware of this point also?
1: Once again, um, we need to consider the source and obviously take everything this person says as gospel. Mm
3: hmm.
2: And I will take it as gospel, I bow at the feet of, at M Sidgwick, Walk Culture's own uh, Michael Sidgwick, who, honestly, see at this rate, at this stage, I think these people are trolling for the likes and the numbers and the follows because there is no way that someone can be so so blind in their belief of one thing and disdain for another that they think it's a reasonable argument to be made. You will have all have heard for, of Mr. Cedric Knight making quite a name for himself as being an AEW blowjobber and WWE destroyer. He m- makes no bones about it, and pretty sure I've heard audio of him saying flat out on one of what culture's YouTube shows that he wants NXT to fail at the hands of AEW. And I'm, I'm not even paraphrasing. Some nice partisan journalism there for you or analysts if you want to be precise about it he will always be a twitter wanker it won't just be of the week and i don't think it would be fair to have him as a twitter wanker every week so i make a suggestion that we will call this the sidgwick award the Cedric michael sidgwick twitter wanker of the week how do you feel about that going forward
1: I like that. It's kind of like um, One Nation Radio had the LeBron James Bomb of the Week Award. <laughs> this will be others.
2: And it'll be a picture. The trophy will be of um, Psycho Sid on top of a crushed car shouting Sidwick. <laughs> so if anyone's got any contenders for... Twitter Wanker of the Week, let us know. Feel free to let us know privately if you don't want to draw attention to them with a ha at handle or just let us know who they are. And We will put it up for consideration and they will be in with a chance of winning that trophy, the Psycho Sid trophy.
1: Hell, if you, th- if you think we're Twitter Wankers of the Week then nominate us as well.
2: Please do. Uh, Ricky's in a beef just now with Sir Sam and someone else about
1: cricket, is it? Oh, did they reply? They did reply. <laughs> Oh, let me go see what it says. So while
2: she does that, I will, I'm will. i going to kick things off with the positives for AEW. And I'm not going to lie. I have not watched a lot of AEW. What I have seen, I have had mixed feelings about. Some of it has been a bit of, what's the big deal? Some of it has been, that was very impressive. And some of it has been, oh, for God's sake, here we go again. And I'll be honest and saying that I had to reach out to Ricky last week to say, can you give me some examples of the positives for AEW this year? Just for me to consider, because at the time of writing, I only had one. Uh, and he did come back with a few, and I managed to flesh it out for three positives. The, the negatives were a bit easier to come by. Uh, again, I won't hide my bias here. But the bias is heaped on from other people, so it's fair game as far as I'm concerned. Would you would you like me to go first with the the positives for AEW? Uh,
1: I'll go first for the positives, and you go first for the negatives. Okay, that's okay. Yes. Right. Let me let me pull up my notes. <sighs> right. So the first positive. Let not let's not even beat around the bush here. Let's just go with the most obvious one, and that is John Moxley. Um, I know a lot of people think that he's better when he's chasing probably in that camp as well but this title run was every bit as good as almost anything he's done before If I think the only thing that might compare to it was I'd put above it actually would be like a lot of the stuff that he'd done with Seth um I felt that stuff was like through the roof, but just in general, like when he's chasing, he, he, it, he comes across better that way and it's more exciting and you kind of get behind him as well. But I felt this entire title run that he had, which lasted just about the entire year, Um, it was what, Feb to December. Uh-huh. So. You know, like I say pretty much the entire year. Um so it was like the kind of back end of February, it was it was the last day in February all the way through to the start of this uh, December twenty. <clears throat> and amongst those matches, he had some absolute fantastic matches. I felt was two matches with Eddie King, some were really good. Um the one on Dynamite was good, but I felt the I quick match was just a little bit better, but they were both still very, very good matches. I enjoyed the MGF one, enjoyed the Darby Allen one. Um the one he had with the late Brody Lee was good. I don't really particularly like the one with Jericho. I thought it was just okay. Um the Omega one was was actually really good. Um I know some people had an issue with the ending or the finish to that match, but I didn't really. Um and I know we're talking about AEW up and down, but this specifically is about John Moxley. Mox he had a couple of uh, matches as well, a few matches um with New Japan. He had the two obviously at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh but he had one with um Minoru Suzuki at New Beginning. Uh what was that? I think that was like kind of the start of Feb, might have been the first weekend in Feb. Uh for the IWGP United States champion heavyweight championships, which was another really good match. Uh, I said I know that wasn't technically an AEW but John Mox as a whole, the way he was presented this year, the way he came across and a lot of his promos and more importantly, a lot of just about the vast majority of his matches were all either, like, they all range from pretty good to, like, borderline great. Um, so, I say, that was an easy first pick for me.
2: I'll be honest, it wasn't really in my consideration. I think I, I hold that belief that he's better in the chase, but I've probably been conditioned that way because of his WWE stuff and even in AEW. I just found it a bit more entertaining when he was chasing Jericho than after the fact. Um, a lot of his stuff the matches there's quite a lot of hardcore matches that was going on in there and he's already got a bit of a reputation for just being the hardcore match guy and for because of that nothing stands out if that makes sense it all kind of merges into the one. His promo work's very good though his promo work does stand out the stuff with Eddie Kingston talking about, um, reference was made to Eddie Kingston's family, that was really personal. It stood out a lot as well. But I think the feel good factor that EEW fans had, because John Moxley, whether you agree with him or not, he felt as if he had to make a statement when he left WWE. He had to look after himself, he was clearly not in a good place I don't think he's, when you were listening to his rants on Jericho and other podcasts and interviews I don't think he was in a healthy healthy frame of mind It seems like over the course of his title reign either he was just being quiet about it or he was just starting to feel a bit more normal again feeling like the John Moxley of old and if he's happy with how he is, I can't fault him for that but it's, it's just it wasn't really in consideration for myself. But there's I, I no faults in what you were saying there. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, sorry. No, um, I was looking
1: back at my notes here. Yeah, like I say, for me overall, I felt it was a pretty, pretty, great year. Um, Interesting to see what happens now with him in 2021, but. Um. Like I say from from start to finish, I thought it was a pretty flawless year from yeah. um I, I feel like I, I know a lot of people feel otherwise, but I feel like he's still Dean Ambrose, but turned up slightly, and I guess that's somewhat of a different character uh, in a sense. Um, but like I say, he, he still has a lot of the old Dean Ambrose. Tropes and traits, etc., apart from the stupid gas mask stuff, but earlier on, um, so but I think he's a bit more intense. That Ambrose would sometimes come across as very, very intense, but at the same time, he'd come across as almost aloof at times. Uh Um, But I think Mox is just like constantly now intense. But I say, I thought it was a pretty flawless year from him.
2: That's fair enough. My my first positive of the year was the the whole hangman page stuff. He's one that stands out for me. Uh, there's a there's a I well, say I could do without all the alcohol stuff. I just don't see the point in it. But the carry on that he's had with Kenny Omega winning the titles at the start of the year, I believe the tag titles. And there's always been this, will they won't they between them, and that kind of that never really came to a head officially because they fought each other at the the title the title tournament they had it was at the last pay-per-view I think in December, I might be wrong there but Omega and Hangman have had this really interesting dynamic over the course of the year where they don't want to be together but at the same time they work really well together and their tag team title matches with the Young Bucks and then the FTR, they're well lauded, well critiqued by many. But I think Adam Page on his own, he's got a good look, he's got good music, he's got a good... It's just the the um, Buckshot clothesline that he does, very impactful, and it's like a nice exclamation mark on the end of a match. There's not much for me to dislike about Adam Page, and there's... The way they're booking it with him, the way they're presenting him, it's a very slow build for giving him the sympathy vote, making him the undercard, and he's always he's always the outsider when it comes to Kenny with the elite. He's always the outsider when it comes to Kenny with the Bullet Club. Uh, he's always just on the fringes of things, and they don't really take his feelings into consideration. So you you naturally warm to Hangman Page through it all, and I just think they've worked, what they're doing there if intentional, has worked, because I just want nothing but the best for Hangman Page. I want him to challenge for the titles, I want him to break free from the shackles of the elite and the bullet club shite, and just let rip, rip into folk, and then eventually, somewhere down the line, challenge for the title. So definitely, I think, okay, there's been losses and wins, but that doesn't really matter. It's all about the story arc, and I think Hangman Page had the best story arc in 2020 for AEW for me.
1: Yeah, the hell was held the title for about nine months, so like mid start to mid Jan, all the way through to September before they dropped it to FTR. Um, like I said the match with FTR was really good, as was that match with the Bucks, which is one of the matches of the year. <clears throat> um, obviously, Kenny Omega and that uh, number one. Contender tournament they had going on to challenge Mox. I think they might come full circle in a sense where it could be Hangman um, that beats Kenny Omega, but at the same time, there's almost Roddy Piper vibes to him because remember, Hangman was the first one, he he, he main evented the first ever AEW pay per view with Mm -hmm. Jericho, but didn't win it. Um, Gets a number one contender. Gets to the number one contender match, doesn't win it, um, you know. So it wouldn't surprise me whatever way they go. But I think he's a favourite of a lot of people from like when it comes to like the elite in the Bullet Club.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Let's like say his interest is the Same with Box, I'm interested to see what kind of direction I'd take go with. Uh, oh, lost it there not quite um, like being given that opportunity Uh Um, so like I say it'll be be interesting to see but another like I say it was a good deal he was involved in several several good matches and like I say the entire gimmick and how over he is with the um, Uh crowds. like I say he has been for a long time now
2: and of course let's not forget the horse as well (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah
2: so your turn then for the next one
1: My right, next one is Kenny Omega. I think my first two have been somewhat obvious in a sense. But Omega similar reasons to to um hangman obviously was part of that tag team, winning it at the start of the year, defending it in several good matches, uh before losing it to FTR. Um I says there was it it was months Storytelling. Obviously, where Kenny was going through things, going through some changes, etc. And he brought the Queen of gimmick back before ultimately teaming up with Don Carlos and Impact, etc. To win it. Um, first time he's won this AEW World Title as well. Um, so it was it was obviously going to happen at some point. Um, I know some people have like an opinion on whether or not he feel they feel that he's still. Where he was even just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I think I think he's been involved in in so many great matches this year. Um, like I said, I absolutely loved. It. And I know, sorry, last year I know the Ray Phoenix match took place on January fifth or sixth or whatever it was. I know it's twenty twenty one, but I thoroughly enjoyed that match. I enjoyed the Adam Page match that they had at Full Gear. Um, like I say, the FTR match was really really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um that um the bloody what's that called? Uh, the kind of gimmick match you had again with uh in a circle, what was that called again? Stampede. Yep, um was a really enjoyable match as well. Um like I say in that in that match against the Bucks it was simply sensational. They also had a a match not too long after they win the tag titles against um, Pentagon and Phoenix, which are a really good match. So, let's say, for someone who, well, I know he's been featured prominently, and so he should, but it was still nice to see him almost be on that mid-card, dish, or even if it's an upper card of the tag team division, it doesn't really make a difference. He wasn't, like, the sole focus of the entire company kind of thing, so it was good to see him, as you say, build up over a year what was going to happen with him and uh, Hangman before he ultimately you know went full on heel uh, and like I say I, I don't I know some people don't like the whole thing with impact I'm intrigued to see where it goes um, some of the things I don't really know how I feel about the, the fake Bullet Club reunion Um I don't know people are going to be well um, Anderson's in it and he was in the very first one etc but you know we'll see uh, but yeah like I say overall Omega I felt well, another another great great year and I think I think for me, like if people are saying that he's not quite where he once was, well he's still better than like ninety-nine percent of the wrestlers out there. Mm-hmm. Um I still really enjoy watching his matches. Uh, I think he's I think I think he's absolutely terrific.
2: I think it's a case of where he once was It's a hard one to really quantify because where he once was a was New Japan and it took him a long time to get the title, the world title in New Japan, and then, and I'd say it, it didn't feel like a memorable reign that he had at the top, and he lost it in a sort of a bitter rivalry with Tanahashi. So I don't think, I don't know if I buy that to be honest with you. It wasn't as good as it once was because the tag team division has been prominent in AEW.
1: The whole... But again, I don't know if that's, Sorry to cut you off. I don't know if that's like a a general consensus. Or there's very few people that are saying it. Just I think it's more so that it's in the minority. A lot of people are saying that oh he's not quite what he was. And I've like, saw plenty of takes like of that. But again, like I don't know if people are trying to be cool and edgy and making statements like that. So so Caleb, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> so that like says I've not. Like I says if you feel he's he's um he's dropped. And not slightly, but let's say he's, well, he's still better than so many of the wrestlers out there. Uh-huh. Um So, uh, that was all.
2: Oh, so you mean from a, a physical standpoint, better? Or star power?
1: Oh, well, physical, I think the star power thing is very difficult to judge, I think, at times. Aye. Um, because, look, see, at the end of the day, like, I think... Yeah. If you had, say, let's say you had Tanahashi or it could be Okada or it could be Ibushi or it could be Suzuki or whoever it may be and you put them in a street like in the middle of Tokyo or something, I would assume they would be extremely, extremely well-known. But I think if you put someone like, not so much Omega because he's obviously been there, but if you took, say, let's say... I'm just trying to think someone who's relatively big in WWE. Well, it could, even if you put someone like Drew McIntyre in there, for instance, or even if you put um, maybe even Seth Rollins type of thing, I don't know. Like You just don't know how they would be perceived there. So I think it's difficult to tell when you talk about star power because when you look at guys like people who are in New, in New Japan, well, if you put them out in mainstream America or over here or whatever, would they get noticed? But again, how many wrestlers would get noticed just walking down the street? You know, like, like, so I think there's very rare cases where if you have someone, say, walking down Buchanan Street or walking down Broadway or whatever it may be, that people are going to be like, oh, my goodness, that's Kenny Omega or, oh, my goodness, that's Drew McIntyre. Like, Drew would probably turn heads just because of the sheer size of them,
3: mm-hmm.
1: But that might just be about it. Um As opposed to, I think if you really, I think the two truly elite um mainstream, just, just proper big time stars are Chris Jericho and Brock.
3: Mm.
1: And there's an argument to be made that Brock's name, and I, I don't think it's an argument to be made, I think it is, the like big argument and the main point is that Brock's more known because he was UFC Brock
2: uh-huh.
1: yeah there was a hype coming into UFC but his star power and who he is was more so because of what he'd done in UFC and then he went back to WWE but it's still you know he's still Brock Lesnar. he is rare case and I think Jericho because he's been along for so long and and he's done different things
3: mm-hmm.
1: I think he's maybe a bit more noticeable And the next person coming to me would be Roman but again it's difficult for me personally I think it's difficult to judge star power, because how many people would actually notice these people?
2: Yeah, in terms of... In terms of overall stature, I don't really buy the thing that he wasn't what he once was, and I think if we're talking about, like, match quality, you need to bear in mind that when he was in New Japan, he was wrestling the same people for years and years and years. A lot of the people in AEW might not have wrestled before, and... It's just he might just not he might not be one of those wrestlers who can wrestle a broomstick, and he needs to develop a chemistry with him. So I'm sure that might come in time, because he's also been a lot of it's been tag team work with Adam Page. So maybe it's just a case of he's not met the right opponent yet, because they can't all be they can't all be a cadder. They can't all be a
1: bushy. No, but I also think that that he's had some. Truly great matches this year, though. But well, when I say this year, I mean like in the last twelve months. Mm-hmm. Singles with that, I thought mm-hmm. the Hangman was excellent. Top Malakso was excellent. And again, I know it's twenty twenty one, but the the refinance one was excellent. Um,
2: and let's not um, forget his Steve Jobs uh, performance when AEW games was being introduced.
1: That's true. <laughs> but, yeah. So I think, like I said, I think he's had a great year. um well, but like you said, they're just talking about the star power. I think it's it's difficult to compare
3: mm-hmm.
1: because then no matter what anyone thinks, wrestling's still a little niche little thing. There's you know not many wrestling enigam in like in terms of the general population of the world, you know there's not very many wrestling fans. No. Yeah, there's thousands of to events and stuff like, that but it's still niche. Uh huh.
2: Well, you'd mentioned the Stadium Stampede match and that has made my list for positives. I know it was just one night and it was a long time ago now, but one of the things I'm not a fan of in AEW is the, the humour that they have. It's kind of f- frat boy humour and it just seems a bit immature for my liking, but I think they fully embraced the nonsensical and the just ridiculousness at the Stadium Stampede with... Adam Page coming in a, in a horse, the showdown in the bar, the Northern Light suplex from one end of the football field to the other. Just utter nonsense. You've got all the, they're charging at each other, they're wearing the football gear. I really enjoyed, this was at the start, kind of the start of the pandemic where everything was closed down and it was just the balls to the wall, chaos that put a smile on their face, apart from. Matt Hardy's nonsense in the pool but everything else really enjoyed I've not really got much to add about it I think Stadium Stampede's been talked about a lot over the last uh, six or seven months and I know you, you weren't a massive fan of it but I think during that time in my life I just wanted a wee smile on my face and they certainly gave that to me that night
1: I think for what it was and if you don't take it serious it was brilliant it was great hilarious um bear in mind like, you know, there was during that sort of two, three, four month period, and I know people can say it wasn't a cinematic match, but it kinda was in a sense as well. Mm-hmm. Um there were have there were so many happening at that point. So for what it was, it, it, was, it was fun. It was funny. Um And even just like you say the hangman thing was just like icing on a cake. I thought that was that was awesome seeing that that visual, like you saw him in the background. Um, so everything, like I says, even like even other stuff like the 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 golf buggy thing, uh, with Megan, uh, Omega and Megan, Matt Hardy in it chasing Sammy Guevara about in it, like just wee things and around that time, like it, it was quite fun. Uh, um, but like I says, it's I don't mind matches like that, but like I says, that period there was like too many cinematic or too many. Greatest match ever. Stuff going on and stuff like that. I'm like you know, like I don't need to
2: keep seeing it. Uh huh. It it was also at the point where there weren't that many cinematic style matches, so they were still fresh, still fun to see. I think after a personally a short space of time, they got old very quickly.
1: No, they did.
2: I didn't see the the ultimate elite deletion thing or anything like that. I had no interest in that. Uh, the bronze Roman Bray Wyatt didn't watch that uh, there was some random shit going on between the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders which was quite random I don't even think it ended up being a match but it's just, and the Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole was just, felt like fucking a Michael Jackson video when it was, the way you make me feel videos, I was, fuck this man, this is terrible but this was still at a time and it was still fresh and I enjoyed the, just the pure Nonsense of it all, and of course, Kenny Omega's one winged angel from about 30 feet up into a big bed of boxes was the icing on the cake, as you say.
1: I think for me, uh, what it was, it was at that time, it was still like early on in the pandemic, like for us, and there was a lot of like confusion for the both companies, mm-hmm. just in terms of how they're going to produce shows and stuff, and I felt a number of matches <clears> I was watching generally in the first like, two or three, three months of the pandemic, a lot of them looked overproduced and looked like they had been shot several times. It looked like a pre. A lot of them looked like pre-recorded matches, and I know they were etc., and obviously, as was a Boneyard match, um, but I'll let us it, it looked too much like that, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It looked like no, that wasn't well done. We'll go do it again. And you know, I felt like early on in the pandemic, like both companies should have really been producing five star match after five star match because you could have done that the amount of times you were reshooting stuff. Technically, aye. Um, right. So my third and final up, I've went with the AEW upper tag card. All right. Not the division as a whole. The general upper three, four-ish teams. Like I said, it started off with Hangman and Omega. It then went from those guys having great matches, like I said, with the Phoenix and Pentagon. It then went with FTR. I felt the way they were booked was really good, the way they started mowing through the division, making their way to the number one contender spot. I... You know the Bucks were still loitering and lingering about, but you always knew they would be a threat and obviously involved in that great match with Megan Hyman. And as soon as FTR got the titles right, then it just became a case of, right, okay, get us to FTR, FTR versus the Bucks. Um, and then obviously I thought that match was, was really, really good as well. Uh, we spoke about it with Keeping It Strong so It was like little, subtle little things that some people might not have picked on, but a lot of people did. Um, just little callbacks done, like I mentioned on the time, like FTR came out and the Boston Celtic colours and and Bucks came out in the Lakers colours. The Lakers representing Showtime, which is you know Flash etc. Which are the Bucks and the FTR are just like no uh, no flips, just fists, gritty, just like the Boston Celtics were or are in a sense. Um, so that like says this isn't about the general tag team division itself. It's more so the way. The entire upper card was booked, and I felt like Omega and Hangman was really good. Uh, and before we started getting little subtle little teases of who's turning on who, and now we're going to split up, what's going to happen? Hangman's been left out, is he going to turn on Kenny? To then FTR coming in and just kind of destroying the competition. Like, I didn't like that they lost the title straight away to Buck, the Young Bucks. Um, personally, I wouldn't have had that match at that point. I understand why they'd done it. I just felt like that was the first significant challenge for FTR and they lost it. That was the only issue I've had with the kind of upper tag team division booking. Um, But overall, I felt it was really good and I felt all year that part of the card had a purpose and a direction. Uh
3: Uh-huh.
2: So who would you classify as the top tier tag teams then? Is it just those
1: three? I would say those three, but I think there's other teams who when given the opportunity can be pushed correctly and can look great I I love Private Party Uh, Pentagon and Phoenix um, I love those guys Um, obviously it was um, their name is escaping me now who won the first tag titles why is there? Why why is her name escaping me? Oh my goodness! What the hell was her name again? <laughs> SoCal. <cool>. Um, <laughs> right, okay. So I said, there's only been this is now just the fourth. Right. Uh huh. Um, but I still I liked I liked the booking of that tournament because all that all indications were like, oh, well, of course the box are going to win. but they never did. Um, and like I said I just felt like that upper card like all the matches generally for the tag title matches in, in involving those teams and, and some other teams on the periphery was really good um, like I said I think Private Party can be uh, excellent to watch um, and they can become like part of that elite group obviously that elite group kind of is diminishing slightly obviously because we lost to Megan Hangman but there's still other teams there like, the, like Private Party that can can take that spot once again Mm -hmm. or take that spot from Omega and Hangman
2: do you think the the ranking systems have done well with the tag division or has it just been dominated or bottlenecked by those three or four teams
1: say that again sorry
2: do you think the tag division has benefited from this ranking systems they've got or has this just been dominated by storyline and those two or three teams
1: I'm not I'm not a fan of the whole ranking stuff and and matches and wins and losses if I'm honest Uh, purely because like uh, it's not quite like a boxing or UFC um, tier just in the sense that the kind of in a way hamstrung themselves just by saying wins and losses matters etc and all that
3: uh-huh.
1: they do matter but you know there's been times where they've kind of gone against that and not given people the opportunity they should have gotten like I remember even like so with Darby got a title match against Mox you were kind of so sort of like so what did you do to want it in a way mm-hmm. um so there's been issues, but like I said, I wasn't a fan of it the ranking system from the get go anyway. Um, I didn't think I didn't think you need to do that. I didn't think you needed to to really put a target on your back in that sense because if if you didn't dedicate yourself to it and if you didn't do it properly, then you're leaving yourself uh, to be criticised. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, and the other thing with the ranking system is that in boxing and MMA, just because you lose a title fight doesn't necessarily mean you're going to drop all the way down rankings. In, in general, wrestling terms, like now we've got, for instance, we've got Roman and KO. We won't see KO challenge for a title again for a long time because we've kind of programmed ourselves to be like, well, you've had your turn now, you need to go back down the card and work, way, work your way back up, kind of thing.
3: Yeah.
1: So it becomes fresh again at your challenge. Well, the amount of times people get um, immediate rematches, I know what happens in wrestling, but even guys just find they're gone and they come back, and now all of a sudden they're going to be back in the title picture, like Conor McGregor, for instance. Conor McGregor, in my opinion, when it comes to he's fighting this weekend against Dustin Poirier, and I think basically what's going to happen is if he impresses well enough, he's going to get the shot against Habib. I'm like, in what world, other than the fact that your name is Conor McGregor, do you deserve that? Because there's other people who are more deserving of it. Um, so, And that wouldn't happen in wrestling. So that's what I'm saying. Like Even MMA and boxing, don't adhere to their strict um, ranking system other than some of the boxing do. Because if you're WBC, WBA, etc., if you're a mandatory challenger, you've got to have a fight. But you've got like, this, that, that mandatory has to take place within like an eight, nine, twelve 12 month period. So you can still go out and fight someone else, but you've got to ultimately fight your mandatory at some point. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. I just feel like you're hamstrung by it, and you're hamstrung by it. And, and then also, like I say, FTR have just had a title shot so it'll probably take them a wee while longer to get back into that title scene so it doesn't seem like perhaps they're getting another shot kind of thing even though it happens in boxing and MMA a lot often
3: uh-huh
2: okay that's fair enough my my last hit it will start off as a positive and it's going to end up being in my first negative for 2020 and AEW in 2020 so bear with me and I'll explain myself it is The positive, or something that I enjoyed, was Cody Rhodes' TNT title, weekly challenge, invitational, whatever you want to call it. positives were that, albeit brief, it gave a lot of spotlight to those that are usually on dark, those that are even just in the independents, that don't get seen on TV that much at all. It was just a good 15 minutes of fame for these wrestlers that, if it didn't last long, they were in the sort of conversation for a while, made made some new fans, got a few more follows. some more merch sold. So from that side of things, Cody did help put some people over for a short time. It's one of those things, it's a guaranteed interest, just like John Cena's was in 2015. Listeners of the show will know that Ricky is a a big fan of that time and wrestling with John Cena's Open Challenge. Big, big, he's, he's nodding his head closing his eyes in satisfaction just now. So just from that... It was,
1: remember, folks, go back and watch those two back-to-back <laughs> raw matches you had with Cesaro. Absolute bangers.
2: I may just re- like record that, what you've just said there, and keep it as a separate segment and just put it in every week because you say it every week. <laughs> but, uh, oh, they were. They were
1: ex- excellent. On you go. Sorry. I mean, I, I can't really
2: co- comment on the quality of the matches themselves because that is subjective and some of them were alright, some of them were just a bit naff but I introduced Eddie Kingston to the masses with a very good promo talking about how um, Cody grew up like sorted for life in a way and Eddie Kingston had to fight literally to get where he was today so that was another positive from it and just from a storyline aspect, you saw Cody acting like a bit of a dick in his matches taking time out to do some push-ups not taking things seriously, getting a rollicking off of Arn Anderson and slowly but surely you started to think Cody's is this is a one of these slow heel turns here and it, it was boiling to a point, it's like it's gonna he's gonna snap or he's gonna he's either gonna snap on Arn Anderson or he's gonna snap on a wrestler after the fact instead of the handshake, the hot dog and a handshake he's going to snap and just take someone out and we're going to get heel Cody Rhodes. He'll rip up the verbal contract about him not going for the world title anymore. He'll be the American nightmare in nature as well as in name, but he was truly humbled by Brody Lee, eh, destroyed in a matter of minutes and him and his nightmare family were laid out. So it came to... It was... I've heard, I'm pretty sure people have referred to it as like the Red Wedding of AEW, where... The main family just get ripped to shreds and left, left out in the cold. So any sort of any hint of Cody turning heel just disappeared entirely. <laughs> any any personal journey he was on was just squashed. So that was a positive. I thought that was a, quite a fascinating wee story they were telling. But now we go into the negatives. My first negative is that it was okay. Yes, he's an EVP. Aew is most likely has brainchild first and foremost, but twenty twenty has been the Cody Road show and oof, the has has arm been raised by the the people he lost against the fireworks, the massive en- entrances. It was the Cody Roadshow from that side of things. Um, in the space of. I'm I'm including 2019 in this so in the space of 18 months or so he had a massive feud with his brother that I wouldn't say nobody asked for but it wasn't as if it was one that was in the top of everyone's list he challenged for the title he made sure that he would lose if he challenged, didn't win the title he lost the opportunity to do that he had a big betrayal with his protégé uh, lost the protégé match even though so much, so much sympathy was laid on him, I mean weapons for God's sake he lost the match for MGF. nothing really came out of that had the TNT title tournament where it was obviously written in the stars that it was going to be him winning, or him facing Lance Archer he won that, he did the challenge he lost, he came back with a new haircut, or a hair dye he came back the next week with his hair dyed back he got a tattoo on his uh, his neck after the new wrestling figures had come out he is at the. he's the nexus he's the sort of linchpin f- for all the new people coming into the building including Sting he's got to be everywhere, he's got to be doing everything uh, he could go on but I think you get the point that yes, he is an AVP, and a lot of people adore Cody Rhodes, but you've got to share some of that love. You've got to share some of those moments to with the rest of the roster, because that is heavy duty narcissism there. That's exactly what I was right to say there;
1: he's a narcissist. <laughs> um, I, don't get me wrong, the name and and you want to talk about star power etc and that like I get it but you, you he already started to get like a become real big household name in wrestling even prior to AEW right you know that's fine but when AEW came around that started that star power and the name which started going through the roof and the fact that you were saying you were never going to use the name Rhodes and then all of a sudden the first opportunity you did you oh, used that. it yeah, that's something um, else Anything anything to to tie himself into his father, he'll do because he still can't comprehend the fact that he's his father's third favourite son. Well, let's and I've forget- always says Dustin is number two and Triple H was his father's favourite son. Mm-hmm. Um, and for our American listeners, in my opinion, like I don't like Cody. I think he has... He thinks he's greater than he is... And I think his in-ring wrestling ability isn't what he thinks it is. I'm not talking about promo stuff because he can talk. You know, he's he's fantastic in that way. But in the ring, and I say this in a tweet, and I say it before in this podcast, he thinks he's Alabama, but he's actually Appalachian State in the ring. And I say it to you, mm-hmm. he thinks he's Celtic, but in reality he's just Sterling Albion in terms of the ring sorry I'll take that back not Sterling Albion he's air united shout out to Murray (laughs) (laughs) so like I says I'm all here for criticising Cody that whole stuff where he had fireworks going off after defending titles you're like oh lord you know like that that was just ridiculous some of the stories that you heard about the whole uh, the fireworks incident with his dog and stuff like that and he, he gets on at the pyro guy etc I was like well why would you have the fucking dog exactly. there in the first place and well, the, why
3: would you
2: want the pyros there the, the chair shot where the person who was in charge of the magic prop stuff got demoted or moved to a different role that was your choice Cody again so for him in order for him to either get over or get sympathy and it fucked up Other people had to lose their, either their, some money or their position in a company.
1: See, I'm just, I can't, I struggle to watch it because his arrogance and self importance and narcissism just screams out from the TV. I'll give him credit where credit's due though, because that TV, TNT, Open Challenge was, was really, really good. And we saw a couple of indie guys coming in, in like you say, to challenge him when Eddie Kingston came in and was Darby Allen was one he, he had a match with as well. Um, so, like I say, some of the stuff that he's been involved in, some of the matches he's been involved in have been really good. Like I say, he just has a, a a much higher opinion of himself than I think a lot of people do.
2: He's got he's got baby brother syndrome and it's not Dustin, it's not Goldust that that's
1: that's against. That's Triple H. Right. His father's adopted son. <laughs> right. My first one, and I could tie into that point but I'm not going to because I want to say this one first just in case you say it because I only have three that I came up with and I didn't bother coming up with a fourth one. Chris Jericho. Oh Jesus. This has got absolutely nothing to do with his pro Trump and pro MAGA stuff. Like none I don't like none of that. He's a piece of shit, right? We get that as a person and I, and I think there may not be a person who was so loved that it's gone down in so many people's opinion this last sort of 12 months in Jericho. Jeremy was on Keeping the strong silver on, it. and Jeremy said himself, I think it's time, you know, we just admit it now and say it. Jer- Jericho's washed." Mm-hmm. In ring work, not been a fan of whatsoever in a long time now. Um, <sighs> even a dark scene now, I just find him irritating. There's, when he speaks, some of these promos where he's just screaming. Like when he's on the commentary, it's just like going. Can you? tone it down or can you just shut the fuck up? We don't want to hear from you. Like I think he's well and truly washed as a wrestler and a performer. And in my opinion, I think it's only a time it's only a matter of time I think where AEW cut ties with him. Oh really? I think because of his political stances, I think there'll come a time where he'll say your star power is no longer required here we've got what we wanted out of you. At which point, he'll probably go running back to Vince. Like, he's done as, for me, as a credible wrestler or a a credible threat to any possible world title match uh, or anyone on that that tier. Um, He isn't even in a tier below that. He's in that well and truly stuck in the mid car stage and at some point he'll need, he'll start really being one of the guys that put the younger guys over.
2: I think he is starting to do that with m g f and all I, his I,
1: I think more so like taking proper queen losses and that'll just be his role. Okay. Before they ultimately I think but I think it's may it's maybe people oh, I don't see that happening, maybe and maybe it is a hot take or not. But I think that's what they'll use him as and I think one day I'm not saying soon, I'm not saying this year. But one day they'll be like, you know what, we've had our use out of you, we no longer need
2: you. Wow, that's a big, big, big hot take. That is the hottest take I've heard in a long time. Not going to lie. Because from a political <sighs> side we'll of see things, if it happens. I know he's outspoken with his politics, but the Cannes eh, have been in bed financially with Donald Trump, so it's not as if they don't hate Jericho's beliefs. You know?
1: But I also think that, you know, just maybe some of the other wrestlers may not share that opinion. I can't imagine Cody would share the opinion and and whatnot. So, like I says, um, we shall see. And I think the whole when you had the COVID in September as well. Well, I don't. I, I'm not going to say much on that because they did obviously do tapings and stuff. And I know I don't know if it was uh, an off-air phone call we were having. Someone that basically says there was like a, a ten to fourteen day stretch where there's no tapings done. And if it just so happens that's when he done it, or that's when he had to self isolate, like, that would be a massive coincidence. But I don't know. So I'm, that's why I'm not going to say too much on it because we just don't know
2: well funny you mention the coronavirus stuff and it brings me to my next point in a way so I'm going to use this as a first example, a wee while ago when the coronavirus started taking people out and I think it might I might be wrong here but it might have been when Apollo Crews had they say they had a bruised back when he was off with coronavirus do you remember that? Yes. Mm -hmm. And around that time J. R. Taz and I can't remember the the masked commentator's name right off the top of my head. What is his name again? Excalibur. Excalibur. I was thinking Serpentico for some reason. Uh, (laughs) Well they're wearing a mask, you know. It's, it's not as embarrassing as my Josiah Williams Wally stuff a couple of weeks ago. That's you. true. That's true. That was brutal.
1: You, he, oh, he was thought he was proper embarrassed about that.
2: Uh huh. Like red in the face. Yep. Oh right. Uh, after after an episode of Dynamite or something, when episodes were still being taped, JR, Taz, and Excalibur were talking about. WWE insulting fans' intelligence and how they don't just say it like it is. People know what's going on in real life. They should just admit it. And it, it might have been in reference to a, a, someone being injured and having a bruised bone, bruised spine, but when they were actually out of COVID. Lo and behold, we've had a couple of admissions from one of the Young Bucks and from Jericho that in around September time they had coronavirus. No mention of it until now. No mention of it on their TV Uh, so that's the sort of that's the sloppy shop comment coming back to the bite them in the ass that's another example I had the sloppy shop because since then countless things have went wrong for AEW either in the ring or online or with their coronavirus outbreaks not just exclusive to WWE I mean this is terrible right but the the first thought I had when all the rest wrestlers were in the the stage for the ten belts to look for Brody Lee, it was where the fuck is the social distancing? But I think that's just been conditioned into me, uh, and that's not fair to be honest. But it's not fair of me to pick up on that. And on
1: top of that, no offence, are Americans, I, like you know, you's are dumb as fuck. <laughs> some of you, some yes, oh yes, some. Some And that's what, Like You know There's a reason why It's Fucking It's It's Spreading like hell over there Yeah uh, Like And don't get us wrong We've got issues over here as well But You know We have a government That actually give a fuck about us mm-hmm.
2: And you get fucking Ricochet
1: getting Busted Half oh, a Fucking idiot Honestly What a Bunch of Fucking idiots Is it Just so irresponsible
2: I know it's not irresponsible. It's ignorant, willfully ignorant. I think is the issue.
1: I don't think it's ignorant. I think they dumb because ignorance suggests that you're unaware. I know, but willfully I,
2: means I, you're I like believe... you don't give a fuck.
1: Mm-hmm. I I would say it like that though. I think willfully ignorant is still being is still putting it too nicely. Okay. I think they just don't give a fuck, and they were like, "Oh, we don't care." we'll Do what we like kind of like a selfie team that think they're above the law. Oh we going to do this?
2: Just for some context, the Glasgow Celtic football team usually have a winter break in hotter climes. and this year, in the middle of a pandemic, eh, where people aren't even allowed to go to the next county, they went to Dubai for a a training camp. But pictures emerged of them drinking beers at poolside, and they got they came back with one of their football players contracting coronavirus. This player was in crutches before he went and it's going to be in crutches for four to six weeks, it might even be months, I can't remember. So first of all, what was the point in him going? Secondly, well, do you know what? I'm not going down that road. So angry. Exactly, exactly. Um, but the point I was focusing in on is I personally think 2020, AEW had a PR nightmare. More often than not. You know what
1: bothers me, right? And this is this is about AEW, this segment, right? But it's also about just wrestling in general, right? See, when we talk about how, you know, we should treat fans, like, don't be so ignorant and, you know, and, and, and be real and be honest and stuff, right? Do people who make those comments believe every single wrestling fan is between the age of like eighteen and above. <laughs> eighteen to you, you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I'm going to sit down. My six-year-old son's just really started getting into wrestling, right? And funny enough, his favourite is Roman Reigns, right? And and before people start saying no, I'm not conditioning him just to like 80, uh, WWE. He actually likes Sting as well, uh, and he's been and he's started talking about. um Oh, uh, what, what match? He randomly watched a match on YouTube on his iPad, and he was asking about it. And I was like, "How do you know about that? And he was like, I watched a match. It was a match. <laughs> Who was it? Who was it? Who the hell was it again? It was random as hell.
2: Oh, I can't even remember now. Tully Blanchard match or something? If it's... <laughs>
1: Oh honestly I can't even remember but it was a it was it was an AEW match I just can't remember now. and I was looking at him I was like how do you know that and so he 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 knows some people from AEW as well right like I said, he knows Sting um he knows um Moxley so he knows he knows a few from AEW as well right so how am I going to sit down and say son I'm not going I'm not going to be ignorant I'm going to tell you exactly what's happening here in wrestling. Like, he, you know, like, he's asked, he asks me why does, um, why do these wrestlers, why are they bad on a TV but they're actually good in real life? So that's the first thing you ask me when he sees a new wrestler, right? Are they good in real life, though? Because I've told them Joe Coffey and Jordan Devlin and all that because they had these cards.
3: Uh-huh.
1: So, you know, this is my point. Are we going to, are we just going to act like we're, the Wrestling fans are a certain age, and that's it. So, I get what people are talking about like be honest and just tell people the truth. Well, no, not really, because they still want to maintain a sense of kayfabe for the younger fans. Yep, remember that was us like fucking 20 odd years ago. I mean, what if and people instance? and people who people people who are now like say, um, who are 50 years old were probably sitting maybe thinking what we were thinking now is like, oh, I know this isn't really real or whatever, it's scripted and stuff, but I still want like. Honestly, it's like there's there's different demographics here. Like there's there's different age ranges of wrestling fans. Are not you know? It's not just catered just for us. Uh huh. You know.
2: So see, when you think about bear that in mind, imagine this is an example where there's a young young boy or girl who has lost a grandparent because of the coronavirus, and then they turn on the telly, and they say um, Bailey won't be here this week. Cause she's got the coronavirus, and that person that wee girl. Bailey's her favourite. And she's just lost a grand exactly. and she's wanting to turn like, she's wanting some comfort. She's feeling sad and she wants to watch some wrestling and she finds out that Bailey's got the same thing. Her favourite wrestler has the same virus that her grand just died from. That's not going to go down well with them.
1: Exactly. Like, we can see through it, right? We can see through it. But the younger fans aren't going to. You know what I mean? Like, like it's exactly what you've just said people are out with, like, a kayfabe injury. It was like, well, probably they're, they're actually getting some time off or they're actually, you know, or just writing them off TV or, you know, they don't have anything for them or they may have something going on. Yeah. You know, the younger fan is just going to see, oh, my God, someone, Kevin Owens, just part Roman Reigns and now Roman Reigns is hot, and he has to... Work. Like, you know, kind of thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, so, and, and, and to, put it, to put it in perspective as well, this whole... WWE thing in terms of like whether they're PG and stuff and who their core fan base is I've not let my son watch Randy Orton put The Fiend on fire I specifically told him you're not watching that and he would ask me why is it because
2: because The Fiend's a right? man
1: just <laughs> the, oh he loves The Fiend actually a man just put another man on fire I will not allow you to watch that so he knows he's not watching it but he loves The Fiend he, he, the pair of them just kind of for a, for a long time we just put the fiend theme song on and then we just sit and listen to it and I'm like not even watching the entrance, they just love the, the the music for some reason. And even though like part of it shouldn't kill and all that and I'm like, Oh my goodness, what are they planning? Dad of, um,
2: Dad of the Year, Ricky.
1: Oh, and they also love Finn Balor. Um but like I said Roman Reigns are favourite and and, and and just to touch back on the point we're talking about be honest with the fans and stuff, you know am I going to tell my son, oh, by the way, Roman Reigns wasn't wrestling half the year because of the coronavirus, or because of the young family, or by because he's a cancer survivor as well, so they didn't want to open himself up to that? Uh-huh. He would be like, what? It's, so, a,
2: it's an interesting perspective that I hadn't considered up until now.
1: And, and that's, that's where I think maybe if you don't consider it, but I think if you do have kids and kids that are actually watching wrestling, I think you kind of realise and be like, I'm not really going to tell you everything about it. I'll lie slightly. I don't have the heart to tell him that Roman Reigns is a heel because he loves Roman Reigns. So, and and you just paint it slightly differently. Why is Roman Reigns doing that? Because he's asking people to to be nice and and get along with him, which is kind of true. To yeah. like to side with him, but I'm wording it in a way that makes Roman seem like he's still a good guy, and these people are just. Say no and not be nice to Roman, even though Roman's a dick, really, mm-hmm. right now. Um, so, like I say, that's, there's a different perspective to it. what we see and what younger fans see, etc. Yeah.
2: Um, well, I think being honest with the fans is, is sort of the, my point that I'm bringing up because looking at all that, I took a wee note of stuff and As well as JR and Taz and Excalibur talking about that and it not maybe being the case that they're being honest with their fans, you get JR's sort of ancient retrograde attitude towards women and now he sees them, all the dodgy, misogynistic comments that he makes. You've got Taz talking about the sloppy shot, Cody bringing up the chair shot again when nobody asked to speak about it, Uh, Matt Hardy versus... Tony Khan versus Rebby Hardy after Matt Hardy had the bad fall that time. Half the wrestlers not being able to take criticism on Twitter and shutting down when half of them themselves are kind of responsible for the culture that we've got just now with this us versus them mentality. The pandering pandering over ratings, um, Jericho Sturgis rally, it's quite quite a lot. Quite a lot of instances where I just feel as if the oh, AEW heels as well. That whole thing with Brandy Rhodes taking a bit of flack and then just wiping her Twitter account because she couldn't handle the criticism. Just so many instances over the year where they made a hash of it, and I think it just gets glossed, eh, glossed over, and brushed under the carpet half the time until next time. Not forgetting as well, the guy's name escapes me, but there was another serious injury that someone had when they were lying out cold in the middle of the ring for a while. What was that guy's name again?
1: Is it Andrew? Um, I was actually... Do you, want, do you want me just to go to my next point? Because that was going to be <laughs> go for it. my second point. <laughs> uh, so the person you're talking about is um, Alex Reynolds. Alex Reynolds. And that was a match with Private Party. Um, give me a second, let me like, pull my notes up. Right. So, my next one is just general treatment of a talent. Like, behold the the two instances that straight away come to mind is Matt Hardy and Alex Reynolds. The Matt Hardy one was absolutely disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. What I think might have been worse was the fact that they were making out that there was no issue whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They were making out like, ah, oh, he's fine, he's fine, but he just happened to miss, like, four weeks of tapings or whatever it was. You know, his wife had to come out and call your bullshit out on Twitter. And then Alex Reynolds' things like, that was disturbing because, like, getting dragged from one side of the ring to the other, and it's like, someone throw the damn X up, just, just finish the match. You know, or do something. Go outside the fucking ring and do what you want to do out there. Meanwhile you know, the medics tend to have him in the ring and and safely remove him. So, I think this whole, and and don't get me wrong, I think Tony can, I think his heart and his intentions are in the right place. I really do. I thought the Brodie Lee thing was was terrific in the way he's treated his family. You know, shows his side to empathise with people and sympathise. That wasn't a good look, those 20s, especially Matt Hardy one where, where Reby's got to come out and call bullshit on it, and then, you know, you've got people like Dave are feeding into that bullshit narrative that uh, everything AEW do care about, and look, at the end of the day, like, we do make mistakes, and maybe it was a mistake letting Matt Hardy carry on, of course it was a mistake, but... what took place in the aftermath wasn't like just a genuine honest mistake oh we screwed up like we thought he was going to be able to finish if we do it it wasn't even like we'd done like a a safe finish or anything like that guy was wobbly as hell went went you know properly went stiff as he hit the ground so it was more so for me the stuff that took place after it the denial of it you know and it took it's taken his wife to come out and say shit so that's what I'm saying, like, you know, you don't just suddenly disappear off TV for about four or five weeks if if you were quote unquote fine.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, speaking of Matt if if you got anything else to add there? No. Right. Well, speaking of Matt Hardy, him specifically, he is my third miss of twenty twenty. AEW's twenty twenty. And he left because As far as we're aware, he was offered a sort of backstage role at NXT to help nurture the characters of the wrestlers there, play more of a hand in the creative, booking, whatever you want to call it. But instead, he felt as if he had unfinished business and he wasn't happy with being dropped out towards the end of his contract and WWE moved on to AEW. And I think he's had a pretty bad time. I don't think it's worked out how he imagined it because I think I said on Twitter last week he has had more changes in direction than I've had hot dinners since he went to AEW he came in as Damascus uh the guy with the drones you know all the broken mat stuff changing in between characters the the bad bad backlash with the drowning spot and then he came back I think th- they weren't they weren't doing much with him and then he was being a sort of manager for a private party, am I right? And then he got involved with Sammy Guevara. That whole thing was a disaster from top to bottom. And you would you would assume that someone of Matt Hardy's age, when the journey was all, and said, when the journey is all said and done, that Matt Hardy, an old veteran, would put over the younger talent, which is something that uh, WWE is criticised for regularly. But Matt Hardy was the one standing tall once that rivalry was over and done with where he regressed back to the broken characters for this elite deletion uh, obviously the concussion stuff set him back then he was normal Hardy and then he's doing managing again the private party it just seems all over the place and I don't think it's anything like what he envisioned his 2020 would be yes Coronavirus stopped him having a massive, massive pop in front of a live crowd. Um, but this might be a bit unfair, but I think the creative direction that he's had behind his broken character, uh, a lot of that is to do with those around him because Gradle, who has his own podcast, Gradle worked in TNA around the time of the final deletion stuff, and he said Jeremy Borash was doing a lot of that stuff. He did a lot of that stuff. Uh, The broken deletion, all that carry on. And I'm just guessing, but Jeremy Borash was in WWE around the time when the deletion match happened with Bray Wyatt. And obviously, you can't fault WWE's production values. Their standards, it's just top of the range in terms of the sports entertainment industry. And then the stuff that's happened at AEW, a bit subpar in terms of production values. So is it all Matt Hardy that's been involved with this? Because if he's been left to his own devices, it's not really coming up roses since he went to AEW. What are your thoughts on that specific point?
1: Fair point. A fair point. I didn't realise the thing that Gredo said about him. Uh, if that's true, then that's you know, it's looking like what he's saying has some weight to it. Uh huh. So I mean, like I, said, Gaider, I never did Matt
2: Hardy. So Regredo didn't say it, in a, aye, Matt Hardy's got nothing to do with that. Way he was just mentioning yep. that Borash was involved a lot.
1: So I, I didn't have any expectations for Matt Hardy going into it whatsoever. Um, it was also mm, wonderful broken Matt back, because I loved that gimmick in TNA slash Impact. Um, it's funny your point kind of almost ties, it kind of does tie in with my final point. My final down is Lance Archer, Okay. Brian Cage, Miro, I guess I would say Eddie Kingston but I can't say Eddie Kingston because I felt those just in that short time with Mox like he was awesome but those three specifically came in to much fanfare especially the first two what was the very first significant thing that happened to Lance Archer? Lance Archer was awesome every single time I, that sort of like got 12 months or so I saw him in New Japan. And I felt when he went there I was like getting to see this guy every single week. This guy's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it. What was the very first what happened in his very first significant match? Uh,
2: he lost to Cody?
1: Brian Cage he was supposed to join but obviously suffered an injury like going back in twenty nineteen it was or maybe even early in twenty twenty, I can't remember now. Comes in to much fanfare, much hype, wins the like the briefcase, the, uh, what of that what was that bloody the, the battle royal thing they have again called um uh The Cat it's not the Cashin, is it? What the hell is it called again? Are you thinking of the The buy-in The buy-in Wins it right Okay I think you want to say That's his first significant What happens in his First significant Singles feud and match
2: Oh the buy-in's not That's the Royal Rumble Type thing I know the match You're talking about the... I
1: can't remember I just can't remember What it was now But what happens in his First significant feud Or match
2: uh, Was that the one With John Moxley
1: What happened He lost Miro comes in.
2: Oh Christ!
1: And where? What's he doing? The the treatment, especially of those first two, it's I think especially Cage more than anyone. Why are you bringing him in to not so much feed him to Moxley? And I would never say bury him because you know I don't like that term. But why are you putting him in there with mocks? Why are you putting Lance Archer in the tournament if he's not going to win it? The way some of these people come in with the fanfare and the excitement and the hype, just to fall flat immediately. Mm -hmm. Straight out the gate, you've hamstrung them. Straight out the gate, you've just deflated that hype. So that, for me, is my final point. The handling of some of these signings that have come in has just been poor. On the opposite end, the way the the FTR, the way FTR were treated, I was like, "That's perfect." That I thought, I genuinely believe the way they were booked was perfect. Uh huh. The way they were Lance Archer and Brian deal. Cage were booked was appalling.
2: No, so I, I think I've not got as much of an emotional attachment as Lance Archer and Brian Cage. Purely because I've not seen enough of them. The Rusev one. I listen. He—that is a shadow of the former Rusev, and I wasn't even that big of a Rusev man, Rusev fan. Yep, I was. You were.
1: Wanting him to do well. Want him to do well. Comes in and cuts that same shitty generic promo of how Stanford or New York, sorry, done him wrong. Blah blah blah. Your wife still works there. Shut your fucking mouth.
3: Yep.
2: And he leaves a love triangle. To go to a love triangle. Come on.
1: To be the spare partner of the Love Triangle almost comes in as somebody's best man. Like I say the first two in Rusev, like I say for me, I was in love with Rusev, the Bulgarian brute. The tank is arguably the greatest WrestleMania entrance ever. Yes.
2: Very, um, very strong case for it
1: The Roos MC stuff was awesome as well I didn't really know what to expect In the AEW, uh, if I'm honest um, The Lance Arps and Brian Cage ones Especially Lance Arps I was just like, that's just terrible But the Brian Cage one That that height was built for a long time But he got like, hurt And I kept not even in And he looked terrible Against Mox, but he ultimately lost to Mox that, That's it he lost to Mox. His first significant feud, he lost to Mox. And it ties in with the FTR thing. The first significant defense he's had, he lost. And I'm like, I didn't need to see that. And this is also the problem with um, WWE do it as well. You know? Um, not striking when it's hot and stuff like that. And, and straight out of the gate, not doing uh, the correct booking, etc., so, but specifically to these guys, I felt that was that was very badly done, very badly handled.
2: I can't argue there. I, I, I'm not gutted that it happened because, as you say, as I said, not overly invested in them. What I saw of Brian Cage and Lucha Underground, he's a specimen of a man. Loves
3: his,
2: loves his, Lo- um, loves jargon, <laughs> loves his supplements. Do you know he's married or was engaged at least to the ring announcer for Lutra Underground? Was he? Mm hmm. That's a. Uh, devastating news to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, there's not so much an emotional attachment with those guys, not with Lance Archer anyway. It was just like, that's just badly done in my mind. like Badly done. There's a lot of hype I... coming in there. Lance Archer built his up for a long time he was going i um, doing it straight out of the gate you just deflate the hype machine um, don't get me wrong just like WWE just like NXT there's ups and there's downs um, I'm not one of these people who are going to be like AEW does 90% great or 90% wrong like, I think it's relatively even you know some shows are good some shows are just like mm. some shows are great some matches are great. Some things that happens in matches, are, you know, a lot in match, a lot of stuff in AEW. It looks far too choreographed, stupid spots. But a lot of the same stupid spots you see happen in WWE and happen in NXT as well. So like I say there's there's a lot of good, but there's also a lot of bad. Mm-hmm. Just like there's just like with just about any other like soap or program or whatever you might watch. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, basically all wrestling is as good and as bad at times as each other, is what we're saying. Yeah, I want to give an honorary mention to the trios, the six-man tag stuff they do a lot, and specifically, now get this name right because I said Jurassic Park last time, Jurassic Express.
1: Uh, Jurassic Kingdom. This time again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I enjoy them. I enjoy the interaction they can have with young kids they just seem like a very family friendly outfit and I'm going to segue here and announce them as the first match in my pay per view for oh, the AEW versus WWE match waiting for a bit of uh, variety in my pay per view I think they would have some real fun doing their six man tag stuff with the new day just think that would be a good fun match lots of fun spots uh, you'd have some standoffs with Teen Luchasaurus and in fact, is Marco Stunt in Jurassic Express? He is, not he? <laughs> Do you want that match now?
1: No, I don't want that much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you had a did you not have like a a thingy? Eh uh... Bloody, you said you had a, a question. You were going to speak to him about something, or Yep. Right.
2: Okay. I'll just leave Marco stunt and he can be taken out quickly by one of the big e Spears. Uh, but Jurassic Express and New Day. Next up, another tag match. And I want you to guess what my tag match would be.
1: Only thing I'll ask you, right? It's not. Is not a mega in Hangman? No. Right, so it's a current tag. Uh, is the WWE tag team, are they a current tag team?
2: Yes. Yes. They are a current tag team, yes. I'll give you a clue. Undisputed error?
1: No. Is it any is it, is it, is it NXT?
2: It is, yes.
1: I think I know this. I'm surprised this you have you is, this long. This is this folks, I need to get this right. This shows you how much I know you. Is there a certain individual in one of those tags? From Liverpool. Oh, they're
2: there bloody well is.
1: It's Grizzle Jung versus F T R. Oh. The most, I'm right, aren't I?
2: The most epic game of wrestling chess that would ever happen in the squared circle.
3: Old.
1: School. I thought, I thought for a second you were going to put Gargano and uh, Champa together and go DIY versus FTR again. But no. grizzled Jung vets, FTR, yes, fucking please. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, to cut you off, folks. This seems like a timely, timely, timely reminder. See if you want to go see how you do that spot that someone's setting something up the top rope and to not that a person is going to take the bump is standing on receiving so they don't look like a complete idiot just standing around staring at them. Go watch our boy, Zach Gibson, in the, what was that tournament again? Was it World's Collide? World's Collide, yeah. Against... Humberto, who that against? Humberto Carrillo. Just go watch... That spot that I'm talking about—that's how you do that spot. Zach Gibson, genius. Yes. And folks, Grizzle Young Vets still one of the best tag teams in the world.
2: Uh, I, I firmly believe that, and it's a—it's a belief that I genuinely hold. Like I'll say it to anyone: listen, GYV are the best. But FDR once upon a time were the very best as well. They wrestle a similar style, so you'd wonder if sort of defensive heels would work. But I think uh, Grizzled Young Vets have more of a, an attacking dynamic to them. There is the defensive tactics, but there's also the attacking tactics. And FTR like to be sneaky, uh, trip trip them up as it were. I just think, I just think that would be an absolute textbook. This is how you do a tag team wrestling match, and it would be fucking beautiful. It would fantastic pick. Well, thank you very much. the next one before I start taking the piss this one is a serious one and I think it kind of ties in with their current characters and it could work well where you've got Adam Page who's on the outside looking in he doesn't feel as if he's valued he's hitting rock bottom slowly but surely and who from WWE do you think would pick that person up and show them the right show them the right path and show them perhaps the greater good Seth? Seth Rollins and Adam
1: Page. Okay, I can get on board with that.
2: Well, I think I think they're both good at telling stories long term. I think they're good at telling stories in the ring. As long as Seth Rollins doesn't sell that fucking knee, eh, we're laughing. <laughs> they could have an excellent match. Promos would be excellent. The story leading into it, even in their current, their current characters, would be compelling enough for me to tune in. And I value Adam Page highly enough that I'd put him against one of my bays and Seth Rollins. So that's it. so those three were the ones that I'm serious and being serious about. But the next two, I'm kind of taking the piss and showing my true colours here. So the first one would be Randy Orton versus Cody Rhodes. Not Triple H and Cody, <laughs> not Triple H and Stephanie versus Cody and Brandy, but the form that Randy is on in the ring, on the mic and behind the keyboard Randy Elton has had a pretty untouchable 2020 and he would in sort of Scottish parlance he would rip Cody's A New asshole in promos the lot, he would bring up stuff about Legacy, how that was just he's not done anything for it, don't tell me you would laugh the treatment Cody would receive in that from Road Randy?
1: Not at all. I'd be on board for that. Good, good.
2: Right, the last one. Now, I have to ask, technically, he's not signed with him right now. So, am I allowed to have Brock Lesnar?
1: Uh, I'll I'll allow it, I suppose.
2: Right. Brock Lesnar in a gauntlet match versus Sammy Guevara (laughs) Dar- <laughs> Darby Allen the Young Bucks Taz Jericho and Jake Hager so you're starting off with the featherweights and working your way up but it's more of it's it's a mix of Brock Lesnar just laying waste to some vanilla midgets like F5ing them out of their boots German suplexing them back into uh, the bingo halls and it's also a mix of people who are just arseholes as well you've got the young bucks in there looking to um, copyright Too Sweet this week Taz his sloppy shop comment Jericho you talked ad nauseum about him and Jake Hager for looking as uncomfortable in front of a camera as fucking Uh, I don't know, Gary Glitter maybe if he was to be questioned today Uh, so Brock Lesnar's gauntlet match he starts it and he finishes it and just fucking walks home after it (laughs) that's it, that's my pay-per-view terrible order match card actually when you think about it
1: is that how you would close it? Brock Lesnar just laying waste to everyone aye WWE have gone gone down that route several times.
2: I mean, this is this is the uh, the same Clive who was just so apathetic towards the Royal Rumble match last year, where Lesnar was just destroying everybody in sight. But I would,
1: but there was a purpose. Even though you didn't like it, and I, I, I know. don't want to sound like I'm defending it, there was a purpose to that though. I know and the purpose
2: was. was Drew. And Drew has had a beautiful year. A
1: beautiful. That was year. the... That's a, that's a whole reason and, and you accept it I do for that for what it was but it doesn't
2: um, make for a good June in the first half
1: no it didn't but don't get me wrong there were still um, little bits and I know we're going way off topic now there were still little bits in that uh, Royal Rumble during the Brock stuff that I actually enjoyed like I loved it when Kofi appeared I was like oh here we go this could be interesting I mean you lasted longer in your title match which is shit uh, the introduction where you saw Brock Bron- looking at Keith Lee I loved the with Benjamin part. Like, I thought that was yes, awesome. That was very good. Um, but yeah, I that was all set up to, for Drew. Um, but this has been a rather long ish episode for us. Uh, the quiz might take a while, so should we crack on with it? We shall, yes. Right, here we go. This is going to be similar, something similar to what you gave me last week, so it's just kind of like the wrestling year from 2020. Okay. Question number one. Who eliminated Keith Lee in a Royal Rumble?
2: Uh, now, I can picture it all happening. Brock, Braun, Le- Les- Braun Lesnar. Braun Strowman and Keith Lee were fighting, and Lesnar sort of threw
1: them over at the same time. Yep. Question number two. At AEW Revolution... Which one of the young bucks took the pin?
2: For God's sake, how am I supposed to know
1: that? Do so,
2: I mean take
1: a guess? It's fifty-fifty, isn't it? Uh, Matthew. Correct. <laughs> yes. At WrestleMania, name the three participants that took. took name the three participants that took part in the tag team ladder match Kofi John Morrison
2: oh shit who was the third team
1: oh Jimmy Uso correct Okie dog. It's good so far Thank you Question number four Drew McIntyre's first title defence was against who?
2: The Big Show Correct Oh <laughs> yes Yes I'm so glad I didn't trip up with that one there
1: In Wrestlemania again In the Smackdown women's match The Fatal 5 way Name all five participants
2: With pleasure uh, They were Lacey Evans Bailey Sasha Em um, <laughs> <laughs> so he's so confident as well. I know. Lacey Evans Bailey Sasha Oh shite Natalia and Oh Tamina
1: Natalia was incorrect.
2: Ah, oh, damn.
1: Clue. The person's name begins with N. Naomi. Correct. Question number six. Be surprised if you get this. FTR defeated who in their debut match in AEW?
3: Hmm.
2: I'm going to say... Now I don't remember which ones, but I'm gonna say Jurassic Express.
1: It was a butcher and the blade. It's the first wrong one, that's good so far. Question number seven. At TakeOver thirty, what was a women's title match?
2: Uh, Dakota Kai and Eoshirai. Correct.
1: Question number eight At, P- at, the ta- at Portland Takeover What was the one gimmick match On the pay-per-view?
2: It was a street fight Between Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. I
1: can't believe Dakota Kai's been Answering two of my questions
2: yeah, By the way, has she come out of that locker room That locker yet? Did you see the last <laughs> woman standing match? Not yet, no Well, she attacked Rhea Ripley backstage, Rhea Ripley Battered her, threw her in a locker Locked the door and She's just not been
1: seen since.
2: did the, the <laughs> thumb to the nose and wriggled their fingers. Fucking brilliant. She's not been seen <laughs> since. Just like Mohammed Hassan is still falling.
1: <laughs> Question number nine. At, in your, at the t- takeover in your house, mm-hmm. what were the stipulations between Adam Cole and the paedophile? Ugh, <laughs> oh,
2: fucking. The way you make me feel by Michael Jackson reenactment video match. It was uh, a parking lot brawl
1: No, the stipulation
2: Oh, uh, if Velveteen Dream lost, he would be arrested for paedophilia charges (laughs) Is that your final answer? No, if he lost, he couldn't challenge Adam Cole for the title
1: again Correct You've nailed 8 out of the 9 questions Get ready for this one This is an absolute Felter. This isn't even classic Ricky, this has gone beyond classic Ricky. Question number ten is worth thirteen points. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Man. Name every WWE pay per view in twenty twenty. If you want you can do it in order, you don't need to. That's delicious. Right, it is. Right, so I'm going to straight away. We'll give you the big four. We'll give you the big four straight out the way. Right. Right. So
2: Royal Rumble. Yep. WrestleMania. Yep. SummerSlam. Yep. Survivor Series. Yep. Elimination Chamber. Mm Mhm. I'm not going to say Fastlane yet because I can't remember if that happened. Extreme Rules. Yep. Payback. Yup. Clash of Champions. Yup. Hell in a Cell. Yup. TLC. Yup. Money in the Bank. Yup. We'll get two more. Oh no. Eh, Money in the Bank.
3: Oh. They
2: didn't bring back Stomping Grounds, did they? Stomping Grounds?
3: Nope.
2: Fastlane? Nope. Are you counting WrestleMania as two nights? No.
1: Ah, shit. There was a month where they had one pay per view and then had a pay per view like the following week. I think you might have already said that
2: pay-per-view Okay, maybe haven't I'm not sure are we including
1: Super Showdown correct that was technically a pay-per-view and no, we don't want to include it we've got last one now right
2: so we've got Royal Rumble we've got Elimination Chamber we have Super Showdown WrestleMania Payback Backlash correct Yes, yes!
1: <laughs> oh, that a was a... true WWE homer. Oh aye,
2: <laughs> big time. <laughs> uh, that was the greatest wrestling match ever, that one, back last year, wasn't it?
0: Yep.
1: Fantastic, 13 out of 13 there. You got every single question right, bar the FTR one.
2: And four-fifths <laughs> of the Naomi question right.
1: Well, you got, I gave you the point for it anyway. We're a oh, fantastic she, is performance. So again Is Naomi off TV? I have no idea where she is. She might have been uh, who knows. No, oh, I I can't remember the last time I saw. If, uh, again, I can't really remember the last time I watched Raw.
2: If we're doing a Royal Rumble preview next week, we need to really start watching the main roster. Who? Us.
1: So we don't. We'll just talk about the two Rumble matches and the two title matches. Uh, and then whatever else.
2: And what was I going to say there? Without telling the, the listeners why, I'm guessing you'll be wanting to record a day before the normal release date?
1: Yep, Tuesday, because Wednesday is my birthday. <laughs> <I> don't, <know. laughs> don't really care about the birthday, but I know the boys now probably want to do the cake and whatnot. Your boy, cake turns 34. I don't
2: I don't mind my birthday. But, but I just
1: like it a... that's 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 because your birthday is not on a podcasting day and somebody's birthday's coming up in a few days' time.
2: <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> uh that's mine. You can send me the uh PayPal.
1: Send us some fucking money.
2: <laughs> Aye, on the donation page. Uh but
1: what was I gonna say? Do you know I realised in this last few last couple of weeks sitting down? With my son watching wrestling mm-hmm. That I says a few weeks ago If Goldberg wins I'm done I'll stop recording and I'll stop watching
2: Another empty I don't promise know, I Say that again Another Ricky Empty promise
1: uh, I think I will But I probably still need to Read the results So I can keep him in the loop mm-hmm. But I won't watch I just <sighs> I mean, you
2: could always convince him to use his pocket money on a network subscription.
1: I could. I could. I, honestly, I want to continue watching. I really do. Like, I enjoy watching NXT. I like watching SmackDown. I know people are going to be like, well, why don't you just watch New Japan AEW? Well, I can't then do the podcast with you. And even at that, I'm just like, oh, I can't be fucked. And then the good thing is, the exciting thing is, you just come off Twitter. And you don't need to listen to people like fucking Cedric and all these other idiots. I keep
2: thinking you're saying Cedric. I was like, what's Cedric Alexander done now?
1: (laughs) So, so basically... There's
2: birthdays, give us money.
1: And hopefully Ricky doesn't go back on his word from a few weeks ago.
2: That's up to Vince.
1: Please don't do that.
2: Uh, I'm going to be my wrestling headlines column this week is going to be specifically about the McIntyre Goldberg match and is it is it all doom and gloom or is it a sign of good things to come what <laughs> you looked as if you had a stroke there like it is doom and gloom speaking of wrestling headlines dot com no in fact I won't because that's not public uh, I'll leave that just now, unless he's mentioned it. Or she. Or they. Pronoun, pronoun, uh what's that word? I'm pronoun aware, people. <laughs> I'm going to put that in my Twitter bio, pronoun aware. <laughs> Our Twitter
1: bio?
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> let's do the the plugs and we can get out of here yes we have been the Ricky and Clive wrestling show on the Social Suplex podcast network where you can find other shows such as One Nation Radio Keeping It Strong Style Grown Men Watch This Shit Great Match Generator All Things Elite 8-Bit Suplex Podcast and Grave Consequences rate and review us on the podcast app of your choice spread the word Uh, you can go over to socialsuplex.com you can find those podcasts you can find the columns that we write you can get them sent directly to your email inbox if you press subscribe. We are on Pro Wrestling Tees. You can get t-shirts there if you head over to the Social Suplex page. We also have on our show notes donation links, URL links to send to donate if you want to. You know, help us buy a webcam or just send us money because it's our birthdays coming up. Stuff like that. Uh, stuff like that. Uh huh. <laughs> I've went blank. Yeah, sir. Uh, We are at Ricket and Clive on Twitter and we are perpetual Twitter wankers. So follow us there. I've missed something, haven't I? Uh, Not sure. Well, I'm sure I'll hear about it from someone. I don't
1: think so.
2: Okay. Uh, I officially apologise for insinuating that Stephanie McMahon is a paedophile last week. I take that back.
1: (laughs) That was so random.
2: I know. I thought I should get it out there just in case something happens, you know. Right. Thanks for talking to me this week, Ricky. And you. And thanks for listening to us this week, listeners. And we'll speak to you next week where we talk all things Royal Rumble. Good night.
1: Take care, folks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. Podcast. We'll see see you next time.